Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. We're so glad that you're joining us, whether you're catching this live. It looks like we've got several people. Thanks for joining joining us. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're catching this via podcast, watching this on Facebook later, you're checking it out on our website. However you stumbled across this or came across this, thanks for joining us. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by it. So uh, what we like to do is usually give you a couple updates that are happening within the life of the church, and then we'll jump into the content. Um, So two things that we just wanted to let you know really quick. Number one is that we usually do a third Thursday vision update. Third Thursday, we usually just kind of jump on on Facebook or it's Facebook Live, it's on our website, just kind of jump on on a camera and let you know some of the things that are happening within the church. This week, we would be scheduled to do one. However, with the way that Thursdays started, there's like five Thursdays in the week of April, we're gonna actually push it back one week. So this month for April of 2021, it's going to be on the fourth Thursday. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, there's some things you probably want to share with you, but yeah. we actually have a third Tuesday elder meeting each yeah. month. And so there's, there's some things we just want to uh, affirm, confirm before we share them all next week. So please, please, please show up. I yeah. want to share with you some upcoming plans that relates to yeah. our crazy world. So that vision update for the month, again, of April is going to move from the 15th to the 22nd. So just want to let you know that. The other thing that we wanted to let you know really quick is that we kind of leaked this last week. But there is, for those of you that are aware, for some of you that may not be aware, there's actually a disc golf course here at the Christian Life Center. Thanks to to Duffy Sample and some incredible volunteers. They've been working really hard on this course. That course is ready to go. Like the last, last bits were kind of figured out and finished last week. And that is an actual live course. In fact, if you go online to our Facebook page, you can see the actual course. Right now, there's no signage out for that. But if you're interested in doing the course, you can jump onto the website, get that page, and then show up at our facility, and you can actually do 18 holes of disc golf here on the property. And I've told, been told it's pretty stellar. So. It's a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. Briggs, my son, I've played a couple of rounds. We've tried it out. So you can go to Broken Chain's Facebook page yeah. or go to our Facebook page. You'll see it. Or you can go to the website UDISC, that's U-D-I-S-C dot com. It's a, um, a disc golfing yeah. website. You can search for Broken Chains. You can see pictures of the course. You can see the map. Yeah. All of those kind of things. You should check it out. Definitely so, worth the time. Yeah, if you've got questions, by all means, feel free to contact us by the office info at clcfamily.church. Or if you just want to call us, 610-869-2140. So with that, that's kind of all the announcements that we have for this week. We're going to kind of jump into a review of what we talked about as we finished out our official scent study guide, um, or just a series that we were calling scent. So this was the final week. Do you want to give us a kind of a review as we jump into this? Yeah. So um, what we've been working on is actually watching Jesus train his disciples, his first 12, who he called the apostles, meaning the sent ones, watching Jesus' disciples be sent. So kind of the, the thought is, is uh, as change happens, it's cumulative, little by little, day by day, things change, but then you know, slow creep is what we've talked about in terms of our culture. And then it seems to be kind of a massive plunge. And so imagining that kind of the inverse operation of that kind of a slow creep and then a massive launch. And so what we saw 2,000 years ago, you read it in the scriptures, is Jesus has a plan to reconcile a really broken world. That would be deal with healthcare problems and uh, racial problems and, um, uh, uh, let's see, mi- misogynistic problems, like all these different things. And what Jesus actually does is he doesn't just deal with those problems. He deals with a greater problem, which is our world is in 
a lot of chaos. And so what Jesus came to teach about was something called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of earth. He came to not only teach about it, he came to establish it. So basically, if you look at our world, it's ruled and reigned by a bunch of chaos and crazy. And you don't have to look too far to get that. Turn on your nightly news or, you know, open up the newspaper or go to Google or whatever it is. And you're seeing kind of the brokenness in our world. I don't have to convince you that it's broken. In fact, it the brokenness in our world, a lot of people used to go, see, that means there's no God. And I'm going, actually, perhaps it could actually show you that there is a God and there is a better way. And the fact that you're so frustrated with the broken and the injustices is because there's something inside of us saying, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus shows up and goes, yep, this is not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, here's what it's supposed to look like. And he started teaching about this thing called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of earth or kingdom of God, that God wanted to rule and reign in our earthly kingdom. He wanted to come establish it. And so Jesus comes and establishes that. In fact, that 92 times in the four gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of earth are talked about. That's what Jesus taught. Um, and the majority of his teaching was on this kingdom of this kingdom of heaven. And so if you grew up in the church or where the church, you've heard about heaven, right? Because all dogs go there, according to Disney, and all cats don't. You know how all that works. And so and um, the heaven is something you've heard about, and you've been told there's certain ways you get to heaven. You know, you have more good days than bad. You do nice things. You give away your money. You don't curse. Whatever those things are that you think or we have thought get us into heaven. And what's so crazy, so, 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 so crazy is that it's not about us getting to heaven. It's about heaven getting into us. And so Jesus kind of shows up and says, there is a new kingdom, heaven, and you can live in and experience it now. In other words, you can be fully alive now. So he takes these 12 apostles and he slowly is teaching them what it looks like to live in and participate in the kingdom of God. And finally, finally, finally this week, we get to uh, week six of the sermon series, Luke chapter nine. Jesus is going to push the detonation button. And now we see this way by which Jesus is going to make, as the Jesus Storybook Bible says, everything sad come on true. God is going to mend his broken world. And the craziest, the craziest part of how Jesus plans to do it, he comes and he establishes his kingdom on earth. And then he sends his people, his children, his his kingdom workers to go and bring about this kingdom from heaven into earth, which means you and I right now can actually participate in the kingdom. So he sends uh, these 12 disciples out in pairs and he does something really, really interesting. He gives them all his power and all of his authority. And so what we really looked at this week was uh, we keep seeing Jesus do these miracles and over and over again we see there's this reference to his power, his might, his power, clothed in his power, power running out of him. And so the kind of the big idea of this week is Man, God wants to use you to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But before he wants to take new territory through you, like make the kingdom of heaven visible where in this on the, our planet and our community, in your family, before he wants to take new territory through you, he first wants to take new territory in you. And the way by which that works is he, he, he transfers, transfers his power in us first and then through us. And so kind of as we viewed it, as we viewed these disciples, the way by which the kingdom uh, takes place and enters into our world is actually through his power in and through us. So we talked about a conduit. The idea that a conduit is just some kind of pipe or shell or hose that allows something to go from where its source is out through the conduit to its destination. And so what we finally saw is that Jesus Jesus is going to use his disciples to be conduit of his power. His power is going to go into them. He's the source. And through them uh, to go and 
bring healing and hope to a world. So as we uh, started to prepare and consider what it's like, the way by which you get to participate in the kingdom of God is through faith. And the scriptures say faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of Christ. And so we've just been watching how God has been speaking his word and how we get to think about it. And as we think about it, what ends up happening for us, so we hear about it, then we think about it, and then we see it with the disciples, these apostles, get to speak about it. And I know it sounds crazy, but as we speak about this, there's actually power in Jesus' name. The power of life and death is in the tongue, is what the scripture says. This power is actually starting to bring about this kingdom into our world. So today, I certainly hope we get to talk a little bit more in depth of what does it look like to speak this power into our world. And so, glad you're joining us as we consider that together. Uh, two quick production yeah. notes. Christian said we're a little bit hot, and then do we need to be worried about that? Yeah, we probably should. Um, I can fix that one easy. Yeah, so I was, I'm was i pretty excited as we kind of turn the corner. We've been doing this Luke series for a while now. Like, I've lost count. Has it been over a year yet? Uh, no, June. No, June. July, July. Okay. So we're in week 38, I think. Okay, so week 38 of Luke, we've kind of just got to Luke chapter 9. Um, which is pretty cool. We've been talking about, you know, the official sense study guide. So Jesus is preparing his disciples, Mm -hmm. but now we actually see Jesus start to send them out. So nine and 10, we kind of see pictures of that, but it's exciting to kind of get to there. So as, as this has been a process, as we've been hearing about it, this is what God is doing. But even still, as we're doing that, it's still not just about the idea of just being sent out, but your big picture is, is that God wants to take new territory in us before he uses us to take Yeah, so if you think about it, it makes sense even as you think about conduit. Yeah. What would make a water hose not work? Right. Right? Right. Either something into the source of it, either the source is broken, which it's not, or there's some kind of clog in the drain or the pipe or the hose, right? And so it would make sense that if Jesus really does want to transfer his power back into his world and he wants to do it through his people, that we would need to clear out roto root yeah. whatever the brokenness in us so that we see at first that jesus does his great work in us so that then there's now this nice nice stream of flow to be able to go through us but first yeah. first first he wants to do the work inside of us i really thought that that was a good illustration my wife even said that she, you know it made perfect sense it was a great visual to hmm. be able to understand Thanks, yeah. the holy spirit flowing through us because and you had even talked about and i don't even know if it was planned or if it was just on the cuff um, but even just, yeah, that flow, if if there's a stoppage of flow yeah. of the Holy Spirit like or of water, then you can't produce. Or if you try, it's just not Yeah, so it, when you think about it this way, God is so gracious to us and yeah. so kind. And many of us are going, why am I not experiencing God's love and God's power, right? Is there something wrong with me? Yeah. Well, I would just say that if you think about it, at some point um, when you have a hose with a with a big blockage in it, you can cut the water on, but at some point that blockage keeps the water from yeah. flowing through, which means there is no wa- new water going in. So one of two things happens. Right. It, it right. slows down the flow of it, or even worse, it doesn't, and it keeps forcing that through it, and what you actually have is an implosion. Yeah. So it makes sense that if God's going to use us and send his power to go and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, that's what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. It would make sense. He would already do the great work in us to make sure that the power that he's sending to us doesn't damage us yeah. and that it actually can meet its destination first in us, then through us. So, yeah. I mean, we all know, and I joked about it on Sunday about like, hey, we all need an exit strategy, even in our own <laughs> bodies. Yeah. Right? Without that, there's real pain and right, right. I mean, deep deep pain so at some point there has to be a flow by which things move right and even you can do some little bit of research between the red sea and the dead sea one is gross and murky and one is filled with life the only difference 
one has an exit strategy. The other one there for people where things go to die. And so there's got to be this passageway about what should happen. So we see these disciples get prepared for that. And then finally, finally, he's going to send this power through. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so as we jump into the text, um, you did some recap on Sunday, kind of talking about where we've been. We've talked about over this series, uh, first, you know, faith is the key. And the way that you receive faith is hearing about it, thinking about it, speaking about it, and then bringing about it. You were giggling like there was something that you No, I just was thinking, say. you know, like, um, so I've, I've shared this with you. Uh, we have a countdown because I'm uh, I'm, I really am trying to honor your time, particularly those of you who watch us online. I know it's hard to stare at a screen for uh, 50 minutes or 60 minutes just for someone teaching. And candidly, it's a lot easier to hit the X button uh, when you get bored online than it is to walk out of a sanctuary. So, okay, how do we actually make sure this is engaging and available to people so we have this countdown? But we've added some new countdowns in the mix. And so the countdown wasn't immediately triggered when I started teaching. I didn't realize that. So I'm doing this review and I look up, I'm like, oh, I still got 32 minutes. So I'm going, I'm going to take my time on this review. Wow. I went through that really, really quick. But I was like, man, it felt like a lot. So I'm watching it. Um, Apparently it took us about 10, 12 minutes or whatever it was to actually hit uh, the countdown. So you got this week, what was a customary sermon six months ago, right? The the full review. And so, you know, at the end of the sermon series, we we, kind of go, "Uh uh-oh, Josh, you know, got to really... Focus, because I want to bring everybody along. So we had five weeks with the stuff, yeah. all of Luke chapter eight, which is a lot of stuff as we're yeah. thinking about faith and faith as a seed and growing slowly. But God is always doing something big and defying gravity and then fruit burst forth. And that's why it's really, really nice to think about it. You think about these things that grow, they grow to produce shade or they grow to produce fruit or they grow to participate in photosynthesis to produce oxygen and all those things the things that are growing as a result of the seed they're all for the benefit of other people right and so and this kind of the big premise is the kingdom of god is initiated with faith which it comes from the word of christ which is the seed that just implants in our hearts so we get a seed that take root and grow but how do you know if it's really really growing or really really beneficial or the first place you get to see it is actually in the work mm-hmm. that's being done so jesus is going to Send out his 12 disciples in pairs of two, according to Mark. And they're going to go and bring healing through power, comes from Jesus, in to these people. So first they get to follow him for 18 months, and now they get to participate in this kingdom. Yeah, so I think what I want to do is I want to yeah. read verse 1 and then maybe pause and ask a couple questions. There's two of our listeners that had sent in questions. We always love when you do that. So thanks for those questions. Um, maybe read verse 1, talk about the where Jesus gives power and authority. And then ask some practical questions. So starting in in Luke 9, verse 1, this is from the ESV version. It says, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Two then starts and says, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. I feel like it probably depends on how much time we have. We could probably really pick apart this passage. Like, yeah. There's a lot of questions even there. What does that mean that he gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases, yeah. but also to preach the gospel? Like, we could probably spend a lot of time there. But do you have any just kind of thoughts either? Again, we always encourage you to watch that message first or listen to that message. And this is kind of the second part. So without kind of revisiting everything you talked about on Sunday, is there anything more in that that we should pay attention well, and I, into? I just think we should pay attention, period, yes. right? Because this is not something we talk about, particularly yeah. in frozen, chosen worlds, right? right? right. Like in uh, Reformed, Bible-based kind of 
scripture oriented worship services and churches, which we are all the above, right? But we don't talk a lot about the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit and of right. Christ Himself. And so, like, I grew up Baptist, but we were more fundamental Baptist, pretty orthodoxy in terms of, you know, the way that we practice worship, liturgical at times. And so we weren't really like free flowing in spirit. But I was thinking about this song that we sang often. Uh, there's power in the blood. Yeah. There's power in the blood. And then there's like P-O-W apostrophe R. You can still see it in the hymn. Power, power, wonder working power in the blood. In the blood. It in my mind of right the lamb, now, yeah. of the lamb. There's power, power. And I remember going, power, right? And I did it kind of silly because it didn't make any sense to me. What do you mean there's power yeah. in the blood? You know, and it's like. It's a very churchy term. It is, sure. but blood's yeah. really important for yeah. like the movement of your stuff. Just right. like, you know how, I don't know if this is a, a direct uh, analogy. So, so email me, please, because <laughs> I don't know if it is. But when you think about like blood, it helps you extend your arms, it helps you yeah. grow, or maybe it does something, right? It's kind of like hydraulic fuel in a tractor, you know, like the way by which all the strength comes right. is through that thing. And but for some reason, we don't, when Jesus is talking about his power, he is talking about like the covering of him. Uh, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life yeah. through Jesus. That requires some kind of supernatural power to yeah. beam us up into heaven, to, you know, like give us eternal life. And so because this is hard for us to understand, we tend to shy away from it. So let's yeah. talk about, you know, we like to talk about the scriptures and the Greek words we understand. And so when this word power shows up, you know, it's dunamis. It literally yeah. is the same word as dynamite, which, to be honest with you, I don't want you to bring any of that stuff into our church. You know, that seems dangerous. And so, but I do like the analogy of dynamite because, you know, long yeah. fuse, quick explosion. Just little by little, you lighten. And then all of a sudden, there's just like this ignition that happens. And um, and all that, so there is this power that they keep talking about that he gave them power and authority, and that's really really important. Yeah. Because one without the other seems to be pretty useless. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, like if you just got all the power in the world, but you're not supposed to do those things, then kind of operating outside of the bounds of where you're supposed to be. But if you have all the authority in the world, but you can't actually make the things happen. Yeah, right. So these two seem to be a nice little mix. So Jesus gives all of his power and all of his authority. He hands it over to them, which seems really, really reckless. Like these kind of guys, they're like me, you know, like just what are they going to do with this? And then he told them what he's supposed to do. And so it gets weird already of the power. And the next thing he says in all this in verse two, he says, and he sent them out. So here's my power and here's my authority. So I want you to imagine these like stuff to put in their book bags. But it wasn't the book bags. They weren't allowed to take book bags, right? But these two kind of tools, they have power and authority. Okay, what do I do with these two tools? And what he then says next is to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yeah. This is so confusing. Which because, they were just learning about. I know. So we just now, okay, it's like the kingdom of God is like a sower of seeds. What? Yeah, right. And so like you, they're going to now talk about this kingdom that they've kind of experienced. And they understand Jesus you know, opens up the scroll of Isaiah when he's in Nazareth. He says, he came to set the captives free and, you know, bring freedom to the, breath, uh, the oppressed and make the blind see. And so they kind of have like a stump speech. Because we talked about <laughs> yeah, it in the right. uh, Jesus for Presence here. So he has this stump speech of this is what it's supposed to look like. Now they're starting to see it. Now they're required to talk about the things that they see. Yeah. And so they, and the way by which they are going to bring healing somehow, because they can't like fix people. These aren't doctors. Right. These are fishermen, right? If they use a knife, it's the, is to fillet you open, right? And so you got a bunch of fishermen, and he tells them that their job is to proclaim the kingdom of God yeah. and to cure diseases. So imagine this for the first time. 
like, there's a lot of questions. I'm not I ready for so this quiz. Questions. Like, yeah. okay, proclaim the kingdom of God. So, do you just want me to talk out loud about it? Like, I just show up and tell them that the kingdom of God is near? Like, yeah. like so I saw John the Baptist. I knew he was a nut. But, okay, that's what you want me to do that? Like, that kind of stuff? And now you also want me to cure diseases? Yeah. Seems like you're telling me that I'm supposed to just speak diseases out of people. Hmm. Right? And so you see this and you go, this doesn't make any sense. Until you read all the scriptures and go, there is something. Listen, there's something about the spoken word yeah, that we, right. we as reformers or, you know, as good Christians don't really want to talk about the power right. in the word of God and the words about the kingdom. And so the way, what he does, he goes, here's my power and here's my authority. Those are your tools, right? These are, this is, the, if yeah. you can imagine, these are the two things you're going to fit into your gun and your gun is your mouth. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> and so you can imagine trepidation and we're going to get a little further and they're not going to be able to take anything with them like this does yeah, not this right. seems like a disastrous plan but this is how god ushers in his kingdom yeah so there's just something to go if this is how it is then why couldn't you do those things today i don't need anything else mm. god could you give me your power could you give me your authority mm. give me the courage to speak mm. that's it not clever sayings not you know yeah fully equipped you know bibles with the application study by you know stuff yeah. and it's like just that stuff yeah, it's so strange. I feel like I've got so many questions of what that looked like for the disciples. And it had to be awkward as the, Jesus sends them out. Like you said, Mark, we see that they're out in pairs. I wonder how challenging that was. You know, they first spend the first two hours stumbling through and like awkwardly trying to have conversations. Did they like get it right away? Were some of them really, I don't know, really socially uh, <laughs> It's like the adapt? field trips like, you went on. Like, yeah. so you're going, <laughs> when they give you assigned seating on the bus. Right, and like, right. Oh, man. Or you're like, yes. And the other person's like, oh, yeah, man. Right, yeah. right. Or when you get like room assignments, like it, maybe you got a room assignment for when you went off to a dorm and you're like, what in the world? I don't know. Like, do these 12 know. like each other? I don't There's know. There's some, I mean, like. Some, there's some high drama in some of this. Yeah. Stuff. They're all having to go in that way. And so then you don't know what the conversations are like. Yeah. Like, okay, are you leading? Which way are we going? Why, do you want right. to go, like, right. paper, rock, scissors? Like, I don't <laughs> have a clue. I mean, it is. I just want to just acknowledge, like, I think we just have to acknowledge that this is just strange and yeah. weird uh, and yeah. doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in terms yeah. of what's clever. Yeah. Right? In I terms agree. of best practices and strategy. You don't learn this in school when you right. see how to start a revolution. So Right. And I, But I think what's beautiful about that is that it's it really hasn't much changed much for us today, right? Like, there was an awkwardness that I'm sure the disciples learned as they did it to have conversations. Yeah. How do they bring up Jesus and how do they talk about him? Which is the same thing that we really ultimately need to be doing as well, is that we might stumble through it. We might not have all the best words, but yeah. in doing it, in that experience, I feel like there's... There's something beautiful that happens that God moves and works. And it's no longer about you having the right words or the perfect saying or whatever, yeah. but it's about the Holy Spirit flowing through through you being that conduit. Yes. Yeah, so what's really interesting about that is we just avoid things that are awkward. Yeah. Right. But it's so weird that we do because every learning experience you ever had was awkward. That's right. Like the first time you got a computer, first time you played with a mouse, yeah. you know, like when you got a puppy, like everything is hard work and yeah. awkward. First time you got that phone, like. Think about all the things in your life that really, really frustrated you that you still continue to use. Think about when you learned to drive a car or a stick shift. Like this idea that we should not do this because it seems hard and awkward and it doesn't come across as easy. Well, nothing in your life has ever come across as easy. We just forget those things so often once they become commonplace for us, right? And so 
What I imagine is that talking about these things, praying with people about these things, speaking about the kingdom of God, praying over sickness and darkness, right? I believe those can move from awkward to comfortable. Like you're going to see with these disciples, to the point of comfort that they were willing to stand on trial, speak, and when they weren't ready to speak and go to the death for this as a result of what they discover in this process. But when you see it for the first time, it's like, yeah, this is just like how it feels for you when you wonder whether or not you should go pray for that person or reach out to that person. Right. What you feel in that moment, like, let me just be very candid with you. Your neighbor should know Jesus. The whole whole goal is that your neighbor, God wants your neighbor to experience the kingdom of heaven on Mm -hmm. earth and for all eternity. He wants that. And he may very well want your neighbor to hear about the kingdom through you. So he might be saying right this second, you should go knock on your neighbor's door. You can hit pause and go invite them to coffee. Ask them what they think about what's going on in our world and look for an opportunity to bring in spiritual conversations about Jesus into it, right? That feeling you have right now of all the reasons you would not want to do it are the exact things that these 12 had. Now, I don't know what they're going to do. If I'm like, if we think about like a sales pitch, like you start a new job and you got to sell things or whatever it is. Typically, you're going to start with low-hanging fruit of all the people that are going to tell you no. But if you're just trying to make calls, you're calling your buddies from college, whatever it yeah. is. So I don't know what this is. Yeah. I don't know if these guys are going, hey, I got this buddy that we hung out with yeah. and, you know, in I Hebrew school. Yeah. We can go there. And then they're shoving the door and going, you got any diseases? Because, <laughs> you know, like, so I'm sure they're trying to figure out how to do this. But right. this is it. Like, right. I wish I could have just, like, spent the time going, I want you to feel this in the way that yeah. they feel it. But it's no different than what we feel now. Yeah. yeah. I, I just feel like that's an important part to just kind of talk about because as you engage in spiritual conversations, it's not something that you just fall into. Sometimes it is. Uh, honestly, the Holy Spirit is bigger than that. That sometimes you just have a conversation. You go, man, I don't even know what, what yeah. just happened. And that was a beautiful conversation. But many times there's this kind of awkwardness that you're learning through. So uh, I think that that was important. I do want to ask the questions that are are kind of both concerning around how we follow God's word and understand what we're supposed to do and his power. So the first question is this. It says, so how do I know when I'm operating in God's power and not my own? For example, I've worked many years to provide for my relatives and especially for members of my household in order to avoid denying the faith in accord with 1 Timothy 5, 8 through 9. Since my working in a secular job for money was honoring God's word, could it have been with God's power? Great question, and I'd say, I mean, I imagine you want me to expound on this, but yes, it could have been and probably was in God's power. And I think that's just something we that we all got to think about more, even if you're not a believer in all this, this idea that somehow the fruit of your life is all the result of your own work, right? Not only was it the result of God's power in your life, it was also what you're experiencing now is the result of God's power in your parents' life, yeah, right. in your grandparents' life, in your great-grandparents' life, in your great-great-grandparents' life. So you just want to follow the fact that the DNA that you have in this moment, like who you are, your chemical makeup is completely and absolutely unlikely in, in light of the world, right? You know, somehow 
your great, 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 great granddaddy had to be alive. And the likelihood of that person, that you're that guy making it past infancy was very, very slim. So the fact that there's been this whole life for thousands of years up above us that has made this certain moment in where they did in the way that they did for your biological parents to have whatever interaction they did that produced you and us is completely outside the realm of coincidence. So if that's the case, then God's power has been at work from the very beginning of time for your and my life. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us kind of think, well, I don't need to be grateful. I don't owe anything God. I work hard. I get up and go, well, who gave you that work ethic? Well, I learned it from my parents. Well, who gave you those parents? Well, actually, I learned it from some broken moments because... You know, I thought I was loved based on my performance. So I prefer, you know, well, who put, who allowed that to play out in your life, Josh, right? right? All those things, the reality is we are a literal, like, product of everything in our life yeah. with a God who rules and reigns over that. And what we talk about a lot here, particularly in the reform category of providence, God sees all things yeah. and he's working in all things. So if he sees all things and he's working all things, what's his end goal? Yeah. What does he see in all things and working? All things together. And I always say, for our good and his glory. But where is our where does our good and his glory collide? Yeah. It always collides in the kingdom of God. So when when we experience the good, the fruitful good of our lives, and God gets the glory for it, that's where the kingdom intersects. And so God is always at work in those things, right? And I, I was telling talking to Briggs about this the other day, and I want to say it's Francis of Assisi. Uh, but it may be Arrhenius, St. Arrhenius, I don't know which one, Arrhenius is who it is, um, who says the glory of God is man fully alive. Mm-hmm. In some ways I go, I don't know that I believe that because I don't think it's really about us. But when I see, like literally my son play hard at basketball and find so much joy, mm-hmm. as a parent, I have this joy. I'm not doing anything. I didn't just see in that. So there's something about those things. So what John Piper will say, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so if you're asking, how do I know if it's my power or God's power? I would just say, well, where does your satisfaction lie? Hmm. Right. So is my satisfaction in my hard work and my endurance and how much I produced? Then that's, I. it could be God's power there. But it's also possible that God doesn't want you to have your own satisfaction yourself. He doesn't want self-idolatry. He doesn't want you to worship yourself, right? And so, uh, boy, does he want good things for you. But he wants good things so you will be satisfied in him because he's the giver of the good things. And so I think the best litmus, and I'm literally, I'm I'm processing this out loud as I think about it. The best litmus is, is that the thing that satisfies? If I find my satisfaction in that, it doesn't make sense that God would produce Deuce all those things so I could just turn my back on him to worship myself or worship my performance, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think this is requires us to pause and go, where am I satisfied? Mm-hmm. And my satisfaction and my hard work in providing is I read the scriptures and go, I am honoring the Lord and following his path by being a man who works hard, right? Think about Colossians 3 where it says, whatever you do, do it as if you're working for the Lord. And so if your satisfaction is actually in the Lord and your gratitude is in the Lord, and yes, you wholeheartedly are experiencing it in his power. Now, even if not finding your satisfaction that, it still is quite likely that God's power is somehow involved because he's the one who created photosynthesis. Yeah. And if you want to go even a step further beyond photosynthesis, the way that you breathe, 
Everybody will tell you that all energy on this earth originates with the sun. Yeah. Everything, right? Because, you know, it's plant-based, animal-based, whatever, wherever you get your food, it has to have some energy that's created. And all that energy is originally created by this star millions of, or whatever it is, millions of miles away, yeah. right? And so even practically, all the power that you ever have, the fact that you're even up and about right now or typing the question, that actually comes from the sun. Which then you go, well, who sustains the sun? Right. The sun sustains the sun. So, therefore, always experiencing God's power, even if we've never given him credit for it. But where his pa- power seems to show up the most greatest is when uh, the greatest is when that power is running through us mm-hmm. and we're more satisfied in what he's doing in our world than we are and what we get out of the, the deal. Yeah. So I hope that helps. Yeah, I feel like I, I couldn't help but think yeah. in my own life as you were talking is that I feel like God has given me the ability to to work hard and the ability yeah. to think and through. you should. Stewardship and, matters. Yeah. yeah, and so I just can't. That's even my own personal conviction of why I believe giving is something that I should do because it's not about, well, I get to keep 90% and I give God 10% of my tithe. Yeah. It's no, God gave me He 100%. lets me live yeah. on this. Like He lets me live on yeah. this. Yeah. So not to make that about, yeah. you know, tithing, but that was my thought as you were talking. Second question I want to ask is this. It's from another one of our listeners. It says, uh, my question is simply this. If we believe what is, said, uh, what is said in Scripture, how do we walk in it today? The disciples walked with Jesus, seeing him do these things, and no doubt learned from him. How do we learn today? Yeah, so um, this is where it's going to feel a little awkward. Uh, interesting question, so I'm trying to. Well, it's obviously in practice. So there is a, a practical sense that, because God says that if we believe these scriptures, ever hears these words of mine and puts them in, a, in the practices like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So when Jesus initially teaches about the kingdom of God, his big Sermon on the Mount is all about the kingdom of God and what it looks like living in the kingdom of God. And Sermon on the Plain, same thing. And he wraps them up. Right. He wraps the Sermon on the Mount up saying, hey, whoever hears this, wise man, like both Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plains, tells us that there is a practice, right? But then we go back and go, okay, let's look at how Jesus began to usher in the kingdom with these disciples. It certainly seems like it started, faith comes from hearing, hearing comes from the word of Christ. So it started with his teaching. So Paul, Luke says he had write these things, so you have certainty of the things you've been taught. Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God. So it starts with his teaching. As he teaches it, as he speaks it, what's actually happening is we're hearing about it. So when you're talking about studying the word of God, when when Jesus talks about hearing it, that would have been their studying because they didn't, man, how great God is to us to be able to give this this. The fact that I'm holding these notes right now is like, for the majority of humans throughout history, they never had access to this. So we get to read it, but that process goes, well, you hear it. Now, as you hear it, there should be something that happens to us. And what should happen is there should be this metanoia, this, you know, renovation of our mind to change the way we think. That's the word repentance. And as we repent, right, there actually should be. So your your thoughts, right, become your beliefs, and your beliefs become your behaviors or actions. So as you think about this, there should be a direct connection from my beliefs are what how I act. So really kind of a litmus on this is going, well, how do I know if I'm actually believing God's word? Well, you can look at your behaviors and determine it. So 
in a place that I challenge you on in this, in light of how we're thinking on this. So if think about it again. You hear it. Jesus speaks it. Whoever has ears, let them hear it. That's what Jesus says. Uh, ears, not hears. Whoever has ears, let them hear it. You hear it, and you think about it. And then as you think about it, it, there's this renovation, this renewal, this repentance that happens. And then you start to speak about it. So maybe a place where you really could start to really hone in and, and move it from something you believe in your head or the thoughts to actual actions is actually in the morning in your own declarations. Mm-hmm. Like reading the, the, the scriptures and declaring them out loud to be true, right? Like, I uh, like even think about like in Matthew, it says, let your light shine before men so that people can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Maybe going today, Josh, you are going to uh, let your light, that light inside of you shine before men and it's going to glorify your Father in heaven. Like that kind of level of declaration, right? Or reminding yourself that you are loved and that you're forgiven. Maybe it's opening up the book of Romans and going, yes, Josh, the wages of your sin was death. But the gift of, from God is eternal life through Jesus. You are a receiver of that. So I do think there's something really important about speaking these things out loud. No, it sounds strange. Speaking these things over your family. Praying for healing and health over your family. Starting to speak these things out loud. Because I think it actually does something. And I think psychology would back this up to our own soul and our own mind. But it certainly seems to be some evidence that as we proclaim the kingdom of God, it actually brings it about. So something just to consider and think about there. Yeah. I hope uh, that's helpful. I, I do have another question that just okay. came to us live. So thanks, Mags, for your question. We appreciate Boom. it. Boom. Um, maybe you want to draw and or speak to this at all. She said, I feel that sometimes, or I, I think it's she, it's just Mags. So I'm assuming that's short for like Maggie, but maybe not. Um, it says, I feel sometimes Richards. people I become, think. okay, people maybe become I'm almost offended when I talk about Jesus to people. Crickets and tumbleweed ensue, and it's been my experience the dynamic of the conversation or the relationship changes. Any thoughts or anything that you want to? It's not really a question. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Yeah, I get that. And yeah, there's something about being the kooky spiritual one, and I don't. I get that. And so I think, I think the Holy Spirit's real. (laughs) I I don't. I, I think I've said that a dozen times a day, another ten times last night. Like. Like, I, the reason I say that, literally, is what I just was telling, the, uh, you know, Mary, the last question of going, I just got to remind myself over and over again. So I'm going, the Holy Spirit is real. Because I'm just literally telling my own brain that and as, as a reminder to my soul. The Holy Spirit is real, right? And so what I certainly hope is that the Holy Spirit uh, starts to speak and give us guidance on how we do that, right? And so I think there might be uh, some learning opportunities into how we speak about God, or what kind of opportunities are in. So what I, what I do know wholeheartedly is the best place to actually have that kind of conversation about the kingdom is when you've been given permission. Yeah. So if we think about this here, we, I don't think we're going to get all that far in all this. <laughs> uh, it literally tells them, Jesus is told, he tells them to go find a person of peace, right? And so when you look at it, uh, let's see, or, uh, well, not in this one, but in uh, whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart, right? And so what we do know in that is that the places that they go are places that they are welcomed in. Yeah. So what that implies, and literally there's a lot more conversation about this and later in the book of Luke, Matthew, and Mark, that there are certain people that are receptible, are receptive to this. So you think about even the parable of the sower. Some hearts are hard. So not everybody can receive this, but there are some that can. And so what, I, what, what we can gather in that, that there are good places to proclaim the kingdom of God. How did they know to proclaim the kingdom of God there? They were invited in. 
Mm. Right? They go to one place and go, I just want to tell you something. Nope, not interested. Okay, I can I can I can take a hint. Yeah, right. right? So I don't think this is a place that we press. This is not with a bullhorn. Mm-hmm. And we are just asking the Holy Spirit to make us aware through people when they give us permission to speak into their lives, right? So a lot of this just has to do with uh paying attention when people invite in a conversation about that. Like when life's really, really hard and you can go, Hey, would you like for me to pray for you? They can say yes or no. They yeah. say no, we're a respecter of boundaries, right? So and most of that it's looking for permission, right? And so Seth yeah. Godin talks about permission marketing is the only type of marketing that people should do because spam doesn't work, right? The only marketing that really is effective is when I invite you to send me the email. And then I forget and wish you wouldn't. But like I invite you into it. Or if I ask the chat with you on the web page, right? right. When I'm inviting you in, that's where this stuff is. So let's pay attention to when we're inviting in. Like these guys. Now the other piece, though, is I think we should give God credit for the good in our life. That's not weird. That's not hokey. That's not yeah. offensive. Yeah. You can talk about how good God is to you. You can talk about your marriage and go, God's just been really gracious to me. Like I, and you can talk about your family. God's just been really, really gracious. You can talk about, you know, the great meals you have and give Him credit. That might seem hokey to some people, but there are some people that go, "Ooh, I'm interested in that." They don't yeah. say anything. That's fine. You still should give God credit for the power in your life of His grace and His love and His mercy. So I think there's always a good time to proclaim the kingdom of how the kingdom has impacted your own personal life without being offensive. Ask people if they know where they're going to go when they die. None of those kind of things. And waiting for opportunities to, uh, you know, receive permission. So pay attention to permission and look for opportunities to praise. And and it's not, at this point, what we see is the disciples, it's not a sales pitch. Say this prayer, do this, boom, you're done. Like, I think that sometimes we get that confused. Um, as a staff, we've been working through a book um, by Dan Greider called The Starfish Movement that he's kind of talking about how there's a level that we almost need to, um, what is his word? I'm now forgetting. We need to detox from church culture that kind of says, hey, pray this prayer. Now you're saved. And now that's the end. No, that would actually be the beginning, the yeah. starting point of becoming and being a disciple of Jesus. So I think that it's not about the, the, uh, the final result of, of selling the timeshare or whatever that is. So um, thanks, Mags. Really appreciate that yeah. question. Love the live interaction. And so verse 5 gives us more understanding yeah. of that. And whenever they don't receive you, uh, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a yeah. testimony against them. So this is really like a, a physical way to go, look, they might have thought I'm strange, yeah. but it doesn't change who I am. My identity is yeah. not any different. I am a child of the Most High God. Yeah. So what is really important in this, even as you have those experiences, is to make sure that they their opinion about the thing or their you know, you know, expectations don't change your perspective or your mission yeah. as given from God. You're a child of God who he has given and ushered in his power into you to go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That's yeah. who you are, even if people aren't receptive to it. Yeah. 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 So I want to continue on. So we'll get to verse three now. Um, this is what it says. and We'll, we'll kind of move quickly. I'll go through three, three to five. Um, I don't feel like it's you. I feel like it's great questions. I'm enjoying the conversation. I love the interactive piece. So thanks, Mags, for that um, and for everyone. So uh, three three says this. uh, It says, uh, and he said to them, so this is Jesus talking to his disciples, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, nor money, uh, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And whenever you uh, uh, and whenever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So there's a lot going on here. Jesus tells them basically just 
go. Yeah. Just show up with nothing. Nothing. Don't, don't have two tunics, which some translations like call that. I think there's a footnote here even in the ESV. It says, it's a long garment that was worn under the cloak next to the skin. So the way that I read that is that this is basically your underwear. No, no underwear. Like, don't have One two pair. pair of underwear. One pair. Flip them inside out. Right? And it's like, oh my gosh, Jesus, I hope he never sees my closet. Wait, <laughs> he sees my closet all the time. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I only wear the same. I have no idea why I have so many clothes. I have been so many different sizes, yeah. I think, because I've had so many clothes. I but. can relate. I can really relate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, so it is interesting. And But the, here's, I don't want you to get lost in all that. We could spend hours on this, and I wish yeah. we could, but this isn't what the Lord wants. He doesn't want to spend hours on this. It's just he wants the credit. Yeah. <laughs> it really is that simple. Remember, it's his power, not your power. It's his plans, not your planning. And yeah. wow, those are some good stuff right there. Like I, thought, I was getting that refrain, and I need a <laughs> microphone right here, right? It's his power, not your power. It's his plans, not your planning. Yeah. And so... We are just built for control, yeah. and we're built for credit. We just are. We're just built for those two things. And He wants all the control, and he wants all the credit, which means that's absolute abandonment and surrender. Yeah. Absolute abandonment and surrender. And so this is a empty hose pipe. Really, really important. Yeah. Like this cup right now is about empty, which means it has all the potential in the world to be fully filled. Mm-hmm. Not halfway filled, not a quarter of the way filled, fully filled because it's completely empty. And so Jesus is going, hey, let's empty the stuff that you make as your idols. Let's empty your control. Let's empty your comfort so that every part of you can be filled with my power. And there are parts of us that we just need to surrender to the Lord, whether it's our marriage or our finances or, you know, our computer screens, whatever those things are, where we just found for comfort or escape or whatever those things are. And can we just empty those? And so in this thing, I think the conduit helps us really understand it. I want a clean piece of conduit because I want my power to move through you in exactly the way with nothing hindering it. So that's good. Um, and so I, I don't know how much. Just even looking at the time, we got about fifteen minutes mm-hmm. left. Um, I don't know if we should quickly go through this. So talking about, I don't think it's here. I think it's in Luke ten and also maybe even other gospels. But they talk about finding a person in yeah. peace. But in verse five, it says, "Whoever doesn't receive you, yeah. to shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them." Doesn't that seem a little bit harsh? Like. It seems harsh to us. It would not seem harsh to the Jews because, well, it would have been interesting to the Jews because they would have, these 12 guys would have heard their whole life to shake the dust off their feet and after they leave a pagan town, right? Yeah. So they would have gone through Samaria, which if you if you make the journey down to Jerusalem from Galilee, which a lot of these guys are, you have one of two options. You can go the long way. My guess is people like Peter were impatient, yeah. which means they never went the long way. They went the quick way. You know, I mean, just trying to go by boat along those seashores of Samaria, which would have been considered a pagan area. They were considered half-breeds, not by God, but by, the, you know, the, the current Jewish culture. And so their practice would have been to, when they step back into Galilee, when they get back to the, you know, a, a Jewish place or get back home, they were literally supposed to shake all the dust off their feet and then step into the newness of what their life again. They get all of that off of them, right? And so when they would have heard that, this has been interesting, because he had gone, wait, 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 these are all Jews, These are all mostly Orthodox Jews. And you're not telling me that when I go there and they're not open and receptive to Jesus and his kingdom, that they are, they are outsiders. They are, they are the ones who are in absolute defiance. It's not the Samaritans who are in absolute defiance. It's those who are committed to their own rituals and their own many 
kingdoms with many gods, right? And so that's all this really is. So they would have heard this before. It'd been a little bit unique and going, wait, it's not those, but those. But it really is just this premise that, you know, when Jesus tells us in Lamentations, your mercies are new every morning. This is every single house is a new day and a yeah. new opportunity. And hey, we gotta we gotta put what's behind us behind us. Our past is just that to go and be at the next place. So it really was this cleansing approach to go, yep, I get to walk into this with full expectation, knowing the kingdom of God is with me. Yeah. In verse six it says, And they departed and they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I really appreciated what you said on Sunday. You said they preached, they were speaking, there was healing that came. And ultimately what they did is they ushered in God's peace. Yeah. They ushered in his presence. And it, for me, it made me question of going, man, how do I be that conduit on a daily basis? Like I've got to, I know that I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me, but is there anything more or is it is just as simple as that? And that's just a tough challenge that we always, you know, are wrestling through. Yeah, so there's something to think about there, the preaching the gospel. So we know that there's something about speaking about it, but what could be really, really the danger, and it's not, honestly, this is why we don't talk about it much, particularly in fundamental worlds, because we've grown up, or if you've grown up in like spiritual homes or churches where you know the people who speak the things but don't do the things yeah right and so a lot of us are pretty turned off by what you tell me to speak these things but what i want to be really sincere and so i think this is really important that we're preaching this gospel but as evidence in our life Mm -hmm. right and so when i think about uh, and preaching the gospel and healing everywhere that healing means to be made whole and so that's where the word peace really comes in and so i would just challenge you to go as you are preaching these things how are people experiencing these things mm-hmm. right like as you're sharing these things and then it even goes back to that question of okay how when i talk about these things and you know different people feel different ways it's like well how are they experiencing you when you do that like is it evident that there is real peace and wholeness in your life and so there is something about speaking what you've already experienced yeah. so that's why the new territory in you versus through you because that's i think the big hang-up for so many people is you keep saying the new things, and some people are trying to take new territory in me before they take it in themselves because they want my, my whatever it is. You think they want the money, they want more members, they want a bigger church, whatever those things are. So we're just, humans are pretty good. You're pretty good. I'm pretty good at picking up on the fake. And so this yeah. is really important that as this happens, that the Lord speaks into us. We think about it. And as we start to repent and change how we view this, that what comes out of us with our words is actually what's in us and our hearts. Because Jesus says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So those have to be kind of connected together. So the healing happens out there because it's already been happening in here. Yeah, so. yeah. that's good. So I think what I'll do is I'll just read through yeah. the rest of this and then um, be able to ask a few questions and then you can take wherever you'd like yeah. to as we conclude. But uh, So 7 through 9 says, Now Herod, uh, the Tetrarch, heard, about, uh, heard all about what was happening. He was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead. Verse 8, by some that Elijah had appeared and that by others, uh, one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. I think that there's a, a lot even going on in those verses that we talked about on Sunday. Like John, how how uh, Herod was close like yeah he he ultimately didn't but he was close to a place of wanting to see and know and understand who jesus was but it was pride that kind of was more in his heart than this desire to kind of experience the kingdom of heaven 
um, or the kingdom of God. But it was pretty cool to see that. And you even talked about how John the Baptist, like kind of the story, yeah. that was even something that we've already talked about in weeks past. So I don't know, any context you want to give so, or talk through? Yeah, that? I'm actually just really sad by it. Just really sad because let's think about this. Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch, yeah. however you say that, um, his dad is Herod the Great. Yeah. When his dad gets news that there might be this Jewish king born to a virgin, yeah. wants to murder it. And it's going, man, you just see the devastation of generations that were yeah. close. Like, this guy thinks there might be a baby king, yeah. but he doesn't seek to worship him. He seeks to stop him. Yeah. And so, man, I just would say that so many of us are so close, so close to where Jesus is, but our perspective is that we don't want Jesus to be Lord. Like both of these guys did not want it to be true. Yeah. No, that just makes me really sad because when I look at our world and go, well, what's more true? What What would you want to be true? You don't want to be Lord or Savior. Mm. You know, you. so there's just something in this to go, man, what is it about our hard hearts? So this kind of mimics even Pharaoh of the Old Testament. Just what made your heart so hardened that none of the seed can land like you keep hearing these reports of the kingdom of God and it's just bouncing off and so uh, in some ways it's kind of both I'm going boy I don't want that to be us like man would we be open and receptive to the kingdom like would we we live in a place of curiosity of what the kingdom could be at work yeah. doing but can we also just identify that not everybody will be there there yeah. will be people who will seek to seek him for the wrong reasons or in the wrong ways and never want him to be Lord. And we actually just have to come to some conclusions that some of our family workers, that's just where they are. Now, we don't love them, not that we don't care for, about them, but there's just some evidence throughout history that there's just some people who are just not interested in this, which makes me so yeah. sad. You're welcome to pray. You're welcome to continue to declare. There's just people like this who, man, so close and yet so far away. And so I just think it's a bummer. But I think the big thing is, okay, what do we do with this? There's lots of information. He sends them, okay, so certainly seems that he'd want to send us. So how does he send us? Does he want to send us in pairs? Does he want to split us up? Does he want my family to go there? Does he want your family to go to Newark? How do we do that? And so what I found when I jumped to this passage in first yeah. Peter was because I just felt like it was really helpful to go, this is one of the 12 guys who felt this stuff. Hmm. Probably one of them who was resistant. Probably one of them who vocalized as he was walking on the path to the other guy that he wasn't sure if it would work. And even later in his life, wasn't sure if it would work. So that's Peter. And so, but then Peter becomes this, you know, this wise spiritual father, which is so strange because he moves from this, you know, like this renegade to a wise spiritual father. And I'm like, oh Lord, I want that to happen to me one day, right? And he writes these letters, but he's writing these letters trying to help people in the first century and us 2,000 years later through the Holy Spirit live and operate in the kingdom the same way he had gotten to live and operate in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that all these people he's writing to came to faith later than he did because he's one of the original, but they are still hearing about this kingdom and turning their hearts to this kingdom. And so with compassion, he's kind of telling them, here's what you do next. And so he's going, hey, there will be some suffering. It will get confusing. Your world will be hard, just like it was for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about Jesus suffering. And then he kind of gets into this piece where he kind of explains to us kind of our part in it and Jesus' part. And so First Peter uh, 4, 1, it says, since, there, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, you should arm yourself with the same way of, got this, thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So some of what you are experiencing is actually dying to your idols. 
that comfort, that control really makes them feel of COVID. Yep, they're suffering, there's pain, there's isolation. I have lost a lot of, you know, control of a lot of stuff, finances, all those things. And so, hey, Peter's going, as that's happening, the Lord is still at work in his power. And one of the things he's doing is he's ceasing for you to be, you know, controlled or ran by your sin. So I think it's pretty neat to do that. And then he continued and says, so as to live for the rest of your life, uh, time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. In other words, hey, there will come a time, and maybe you're in our nail, where God does this work that you now just want to see and experience. Again, oh God, God is where you're most satisfied, right? That's where his power is most at work, and you see it, and you're most satisfied in that. You just want to see God at work. And so he explains that, and he says for that time, and he goes through in verse 3 and 4, and he just explains in contrast, that kind of mindset versus the mindset of our world, which is pleasure, 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 power, 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 pleasure some more, right? And so kind of you see those things, pleasure and power uh, you know, as, as kind of the guiding factors of people's worldviews. And he goes, but look at the destruction it have. And he said, and you don't do that. And they make fun of you for not living that way. They malign you. And then he says, and I just want to point this out again. In verse 5, he says, and they'll give an account. And this is not a gotcha statement. Like, you will know that the Lord has done real work in your life when that passage makes you sad. Like, not just because you're, you got a grandkid who's living that way, but because the whole world is walking this way. And at some point, they will, they will see the kingdom of God. They just won't get to experience the kingdom of God. And so it should concern us. And so he continues, and he says, for this is why the gospel is preached, even to those who are dead. So this is why it started in this. And Peter's talking about the people that he knew that heard this gospel, that though they judge the flesh the way people are, they may live in the spirit the way that God does. So they get to live in this new spirit. So I love this. So the analogy of the conduit helps, but the analogy of an instrument also helps, right? Like, so this is Numa, God's breath blowing into us. And the end of all things is a hand, meaning our world certainly seems to be absent in the kingdom, right? Um, Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded, really saying, hey, could you just not be numb? Could you not try to escape this? Lean in uh, for the sake of your prayers. And so what I told you, and this is what I'll wrap up with as we get here, um, is that sake of your prayers is really important. So Peter's going, hey, don't escape this. And the pain and the sorrow and the worry and the fear, don't go run to something that cannot satisfy you. Don't escape. Instead, lean in. And pray, and that word prayer literally means exchange wishes. Exchange wishes, I think, is really, really important. That to exchange means you do something and you get something. So you're sharing God your wishes. Hey, God, this is what I'd love to see happen with my family. And as you sit still, it certainly seems like God is going to exchange his wishes with you. And most of us haven't had that experience. Like, I'm not sure that's God. And so what's so nice is Peter says you're going to exchange wishes. But then he actually shares God's heart about his wishes. And so this is kind of the... That this is new territory in you. Now it's through you. So watch what he says. Verse uh, eight, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. So God's wish for you is to love. Love every person. Love them well. Care deeply for them. That word love there is actually the root word. It's agape. This means like a love that's beyond human capability. So this is a godly love. And what he says is that covers a multitude of sin. That so much of our world can be solved by just love. Love. Love's not tolerance. But love, 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 loving people. And then it says this. So your job, love people. Number And then verse 9, show hospitality. That means to care for strangers um, without grumbling. And then he says this in verse 9. As each has received a gift, uh, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So big thought is 
God is going to do new work in you. As he do, does new work in you, he will begin to do new work through you. That power is going to run through you, and you will know it's his power because you'll be able to love in a way that you've never been able to love before. You'll be able to forgive in a way that you've never been able to forgive anymore. You'll be able to care for people that are strangers, right? You'll be able to love people like that. You'll be able to care for them and serve them like you've never been able to do because God's taken new territory in you. You know he's taking it through you. And then he tells you that you actually have some pretty special gifts. Meaning, 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 really, really important. That the whole idea of the kingdom is God is ushering his kingdom through people that he empowers. And if he only needed people like me to go and bring in the kingdom, he would only have used people like me and only created people like me. But you know you're different than I am, right? Which implies that the way by which the kingdom expands is through varied gifts of grace from God, gifts from God himself and son. Good, please, please, please. Would you ask the Lord to show you what those are? Would you ask him to fill you with his power to actually use those gifts both within our church and in our community to our world? Because it certainly seems like that's the wish that God has for us as we start to participate in the kingdom. Yeah. So. Well, I, that's pretty much the yeah. time that we have for today. So thank you so much for joining us. We really hope that this is challenging and encouraging. Again, thank you for those that have submitted questions, whether that was through email or text message or for joining us live. Thanks, Mags. Uh, really appreciate that. Love when you guys help us kind of figure out what we're talking about and be able to discuss. That. Absolutely. So please let us know if you have any questions um, over time at clcfamily.church, or you can just simply text us 610-869-2140. Thanks a lot. We hope you had a great time, and we'll see you next week. See ya.